Welcome to BizBytes, brought to you by Com Together, helping businesses like yours build their brand through telling amazing stories to engage and grow audiences on multiple platforms. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of BizBytes. Now, this is part two of a long discussion between Rick and myself. I encourage you to listen to part one if you haven't heard it already. But I also think you should look up the previous interviews that Rick and I did, where both I interviewed him to get a little bit about his incredible story and background. And then he turned the tables on me to uh, interview me for uh, an episode of Biz Bites as well. So arguably, this is part four. I hope you find it interesting as we pick up the discussion. Extra support is not a cost to the business. It's a part of doing business. It's it's a part of growth, really, if, if you think about it. But the problem with humanity is that we love our comfort zones. We love our patterns. And we get stuck in, in our patterns until our patterns become a problem. Um, I had a client uh, a number of years ago who was a major media company. And this particular media company had a section of a newspaper that went right across Australia. You know, it basically was called Cars Guide. And Cars Guide was a section in a daily metro paper that used to be about eight pages, you know, which um, most of it was editorial, very little advertising. And the MD came to me and said, I want you to solve this problem. We have never been able to grow this section I want you mm-hmm. to solve this problem. And, and the brief was by hook or by crook. So I said, okay, what we're going to have to do is something extraordinarily different in order for this to work. And again, you can't go into the logical space. You can't go into history. So given that they were car, car owners or, well, car dealership owners, I did some research. And the research that I found was that a large percentage of them were golfers. They loved playing golf. So I went to the organisation with, with, with this very left-of-field idea and uh, the newspaper was called the Herald Sun or still is. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I said, I've got the idea. What we're going to do is we're going to create the Herald Sun Hawaiian Golf Classic. We're going to create an event. And, and the general manager looked at me and he said, why would we do that? And I said, here's why we would do that. Because we're going to get the interest of every single dealership. They're all going to be interested in this event, particularly when we're going to pit one off the other. They are very competitive. They love golf. So we're going to take them to Hawaii. But the only way they're going to get a ticket to come to Hawaii to this event is if they guarantee to give us a percentage of the advertising that they have been putting at, you know, the age, which was their direct competition. Yep. And so we're going to work with the ad department. They're going to put specific proposals, and in those proposals there will be a ticket to come to the Herald Sun Hawaiian Golf Classic and play for this big trophy that we're going to, we're going to build and um, and they thought it was nuts as an idea. But the fascinating thing was that we started getting proposal after proposal to come through. 
And I remember the general manager said, how much is this going to cost? And I remember it was going to cost, I can't remember the exact figure, but it was like about 300000 to to make it work. And uh, he said, how much are we going to make? And I said, well, I think we're going to more than break even. We'll probably make just under a million, you know, and that was my conservative figure. We ended up making about $6.6 million with one newspaper. And they then took took me out to all the other newspapers to show them how to run this program. And they made enormous amounts of money from newspaper to newspaper. And Herald Sun Cars Guide now is up around 30 pages and it used to only be about eight. And the amount of money they made was incredible, but it had to be a left of field idea. It yes. had to almost sound crazy. It does, doesn't it? it and, and, and what's really interesting is that um, you have to realise that, that an idea like those need not only support to to pull them off, but they also need to be recognised that they probably have a lifespan as well, because um, I, you know I, I remember being involved in the uh, in the charity space many years ago, and if the whole idea of having, for example, a day dedicated to something um, was very you know, foreign. In fact, I think, uh, and I may have got this wrong, but for the one of the first ones that I remember was Red Nose Day, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I have a memory of being a kid and seeing the red noses on buses and things. So it, it dates back some time. And having a day dedicated to that um, was like, wow, who thought it like that was a cool idea? And it worked for quite a period of time and it's still going, but every day is a day for something. It's this month, it's this day, it's this hour. Um, so to actually stand out in that space is is requires you to do something quite different. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do the day thing. I get the the value of that, but the that can't that that could that in those days could afford to be the sole big driver. Now that's just another box that one has to tick that allows you to do a certain amount, but it's not the big idea that you need anymore. And I think mm-hmm. that's the important thing here is, is that what works today may not work tomorrow. Correct. Because you, you, you're going to get so many copycats. You know, like I, I remember I was doing my shopping one day and uh, the, the marketing director for Fairfax Newspapers was behind me. And he taps me on the shoulder and he said, hey, re- remember that I- idea you had, you know, for the Herald Sun? He said, we're doing it now, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, you know, of course they copied us, you know, straight off the bat. It was very easy to, to copy. But the thing is that that copying, well, you, you're only going to get a small percentage of the leader and you're never, ever going to match the leader. And then, of course, someone will copy you and someone will copy them. And, and before well, you well, know, said, it's just like... But pa- the, the interesting part of that, that is is sometimes it's to do with the, uh, with the execution and, the, and what's, ar- what's around it as well. Um, you, you can copy people and do it successfully and be more successful than them at it, but you have to have something more to it. You have to be doing it better. You have to be doing it for, for the right reasons and you have to have uh, a better purpose behind it. I think that's one of the keys is that, that, that if it's driven by a purpose, 
not just driven for and and the purpose isn't just to make more money that's that's not a purpose and i think that that's where um you you know i've seen others that succeed by copying another idea and taking it to another level and it's sometimes it is just that fine tuning and and making it making it right um you know it's it's but it's difficult and and like i said it's you know, every idea is based on another idea somewhere along the line. We're all feeding off diff- off different things and different experiences. So you, you should never be afraid to trial things and to give them a real give them a real crack. I I, I remember um, uh, working in a non for profit many years ago, and coming to the CEO with um, a crazy idea for them. Not in concept, bringing someone to Australia to represent a charity. Not a crazy idea, but in this particular organization's case where they had no zero money, um, he's just like looked at me strangely and and the the fact whether this guy would come and all of these sorts of ideas. And I said, leave it with me. I said, if if I can pull it off, will you support it? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so we we did the thing of ringing all the airlines anyway. We made this, we made this thing happen against all of the odds. It raised incredible amounts of awareness because that's what it was largely about. It wasn't really about making making money. And I still remember the peak of this was that we didn't invite politicians to anything specifically. This was just general awareness. And we get a phone call one day from the Premier's office. I hear you're having this person out and um, the Premier would like to be there to the point where we don't, they don't care if there's um, cameras there or not. They want to be a part of the event. Well, of course, we had cameras there, and I remember um, standing next to the CEO, watching the premier do their thing uh, as part of this, as as one part of this event, and sort of looked at me and said doesn't get much better than this, does it? And I was like, no, not really, because it was kind of where this idea had taken its 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 maximum. It's like here you are, you're, the peak of raising awareness is, is if you've got people, that, you know, a charity that wants to get a meeting face-to-face with the Premier is not impossible, but it's there's a lot of negotiating and it's a lot of hard work to get there, to have the Premier coming and knocking on your door and saying, I want to come and meet with you. Now that's something completely different. And I think it was all about, you know, a big idea and being driven by a real purpose for what we had and never losing sight of it because it could have easily been about a media thing and we could have invited the Premier and we could have done a whole lot of other things, but it wasn't about that. And I think we never lost sight of the purpose and we never lost sight of um, of the idea that this was bigger than the organisation as well. And it was just such a fantastic experience um, to be a part of that, and um, as much because it was the big idea that was that seemed impossible to be able to pull that off, and 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 I think as as a business leader, and in that case as a you know CEO of a non for profit, I'm I'm grateful that I was backed in spite of the odds because they were adamant that it wasn't that I would never be able to pull it off, so they kind of dismissed it, but they. When I said, if I can pull it off and if I can pull these right triggers, will you say yes? And the answer was yes. And I said, right, that's all I need to know. I'll come back to you when it's 
when we're ready with everything to go. Um, so a pretty, which was an exciting point in my career, I'd have to say, when I was able to pull that off. But um, as I'm sure you know, you celebrated with the um, with the Herald Sun one. It's it's that courage. It's exciting, you know. That's and I think that's the other thing too with all of this is it reinvigorates business. You know, when you can have these ideas, and they don't have to be. You know, we've talked about two ideas on a fairly large scale, but sometimes it is a lot simpler than that it can be it can be small and and what i found as well is that it can also change the mindset of the business owner leader as well in the way that they think about what they're doing because sometimes those it, it can be a little idea that makes them think differently about the customers and clients that they've got walking through the door that allows them to still deliver something at a greater level, even if they're not their ideal client, you know, what they would have classified as their ideal clients. And that change in mindset can be just as powerful as the massive event that, you know, draws heaps of media attention. And in your case, you know, makes lots of money out of it. Uh, So I think that, you know, there's so much, so much to unpack in this sort of space um, and, and not enough time is given to that. We're we're forever trapped in the cycle of what it takes to do business, of the mechanics and systems. And often even when you're telling people to work on the business rather than in the business, it's still at a very systematic, strategic level. Very rarely is it about the idea. And Mm. there's nothing... For me, one of the greatest things that I, I love doing with 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 business uh, with businesses is when you work on some of the basics of why they're actually there, what their vision is, and where they're inspired from, and what their story is. It it often then reignites that spark to go, oh well, why are you going out and going in this direction and doing this kind of thing? Because they've found that they've drifted and found themselves in that in that system and in that cycle and it's such a powerful thing to be able to break them out of that well it's it reminds me a little bit of um i saw an interview by tom petty you know from tom petty and the heartbreakers and he was being interviewed about the new digital recording systems you know where essentially what they do is they you know work to a formula they bring in the guitarist they bring in the bassist they bring in the drummer and they record them separately and then mix them all together and uh, the interviewer said to tom petty you know what do you think about that and he said they just can't play and he said, what do you mean they can't play? He said, well, that's not a band. And he said, what you miss out is you miss out on the dynamic, like good musicians that can really work together can actually enhance each other to take the music quality to a whole different level. And, mm. you know, it doesn't, take, it doesn't take a musical genius to know that much of the music of today is so sanitised that it's lost its personality and character. And, and I think there are so many people, you know, that talk about, you know, work on the business, not in the business, people who say you need to have the right mindset. And you can read any of these sorts of things in a book, 
And anyone can just read them and espouse them and go, blah, 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 you need a good mindset or you need to work on the business, et cetera. It doesn't mean they're actually really understanding those things. And one of my mentors used to say to me a lot, he used to quote a Chinese proverb that said, to know and not yet to do is not yet to know. And... You know, it, it's a beautiful proverb that basically says, look, any any one of us can speak like we know what we're talking about, but the actual results reveal the truth. And so any of us can kind of know these things, but not really truly know these things. And, um, you know, it takes it takes a lot of guts in business to really be successful. And it reminds me of something that Malcolm Gladwell had in uh, one of his books. I think it was The Tipping Point, I think it was. But he spoke about Hush Puppies, which was a, which was a brand that had been quite successful but certainly had its day, but then completely lost momentum, you know, by doing the same old, same old. Mm-hmm. New brands came, came over and above it. And it was about to go bankrupt. It was about to completely fall apart. But what happened was they decided to go out on a limb and try something. And they found some real trendsetters that were, you know, into rap dancing. And they decided to give these trendsetters, you know, some, you know, real leaders in this space, give them hush puppies. And so people saw them because hush puppies were typically light shoes and awesome for dancing. And they, they, they filmed them in these hush puppies and before they knew it, all of a sudden other people saw these shoes and said, where do you get those? And uh, as a result, hush puppies had a whole huge new, um, new entry back into the market because of those leaders. So... It takes guts to do those sorts of things. You know, it takes a lot of courage to be able to take a risk on things. And I really believe that business today needs to be quite different to business yesterday. You know, it's quite a unique storm that is existing in the marketplace now, and it requires new, innovative, creative thinking, and we have to get out of those old paradigms. Yeah, I um, you're absolutely right, and I I'm, I think we could talk for a, a long time about all of this. And it, it's, I think when you look at what breeds success, it's when you're challenging ideas, when you're taking things to another level, when you're adding value to each other. Um, you know, you, you talk about the analogy in music, and uh, one of my favorite bands uh, of all time is Fleetwood Mac. And um, I'm fortunate that my girls have also got into uh, into that as well. And it was interesting the other day when we were in the car and my daughter said, I want to play, you know, I want to choose the music. Uh, and she put on the Rumours album. So yeah, there you go, going, going back. But what's what's interesting about Fleetwood Mac is that, you know, yes, there have been a number of band change, you know, personnel changes over the years, but the core of who we all think about in Fleetwood Mac terms, if you listen to their music, there's layer upon layer upon layer that they add value to each other and um, they challenge each other and there's a journey in in, in all of that. And, um, you know, business is the same when you're really firing, you're adding 
to each other and you're not afraid to allow some people to go away to come back with something fresh and to try something new and to see what will work and what won't and to put yourselves in the equivalent of a studio and jam together. Um, And I think that business doesn't allow itself to do that uh, often enough and um, appreciate that. I think that there's, you know, maybe we need to work on, on this, on this together, but uh, if it's not, if it's not certainly not in the business, but I don't think if it's even on the business, I think there's a there's a you know sort of an existential version of of this that uh, we need to coin the phrase for, because I think that that's what this is is that mm-hmm. it's that reinvigoration process and that change in mindset and bringing people out of themselves and and allowing them to see what really is possible and taking them on that full journey i think it's just such a powerful idea and um you know as i said before and and i know you've expressed as well when you see the lights turn on for someone when you're helping them through that process it's just one of the great moments um mm, you know, it's they get that clarity i i think over the years i've i've run a lot of creative departments and Creative is is unfurled energy a lot of the time and it's energy that can go in any sort of direction. But one thing that I started to learn was I started to learn that if you put systems around creative energy, it can actually allow creative energy to grow. For example, um, we used to get a, a lot of problems that our clients would come to us for and they would say, how do we solve this problem? So I would get the creative team together and then I created a system which was our specific brainstorming events. And and what I said is I said, here's the system. The system is firstly, come out with your worst ideas first. You know, just spit them out, bring them out, let us put put them on the board and start getting these ideas down and make sure that these ideas have a life because ideas live off ideas. And one of the things that we found in the early days was that our accounts people used to love coming into these meetings. But what they used to do is someone would come out with an idea and then they would immediately say, oh, that's a terrible idea. That idea will never work. And it's a great way to kill the energy of ideas and then people would shut up because, you know, much of, much of our systems and the way that we think is it becomes quite, when people criticise, it becomes quite punitive and anyone can criticise. Very few people can come up with really great ideas, but everyone can criticise. And so we ended up stopping the accounts people from coming into those meetings because they kept killing ideas. And ideas is an energy and ideas need to flow. And, you know, so so that system really helped us to generate really great creative ideas. I think it's, you know, I know I've certainly done uh, sessions where you do a typical SWOT analysis. And uh, the trick is most people get to the end of the SWOT analysis and go, oh, okay, and this is, and they just focus on those things and say this is a nice little exercise. But if you actually then draw the flow chart of, well, how do we actually get this weakness to now become a strength? How do we now get this threat to become an opportunity? And 
that's where you take it to the next level and say, what would it mean to the business if you actually did that? When you can do that, suddenly the ideas start flowing because, as you say, a lot of times people are just more worried about the numbers. But at the end of the day, if it's a great enough idea and it's going to give you the results in the end, you'll find a way to make the numbers work. And I think that's such a, um, you know, incredible lesson uh, for business owners to be aware of. Um, yeah. Rick, I'm, we we are going to go into about the 10th version of our podcast here if we keep talking. We keep <laughs> talking away here. Um, but it's I really appreciate uh, you being on the program again and just such a, you know, an interesting space to be in. And uh, we will, of course, um, you know, record in our show notes all the ways that you can get in contact with Rick. Um, he's got so many ways to uh, to help uh, business owners and business leaders and people out there who need some support. Um, Rick, thank you so much for being part of, of BizBytes again. You're most welcome, Anthony. And for everyone listening in, we will be back, of course, with another edition of BizBytes very, very soon. BizBytes is brought to you by ComTogether for all your marketing needs so you can build your brand, engage audiences on multiple platforms. Go to comtogether.com.au, follow the links to book an appointment for a free consultation.